The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. In a few moments, I'm going to offer you a practice to do here in the meditation. And as I offer it you here what the practice is, notice what your internal response is to hearing it. And as you do the practice the best you can, notice the impact the practice has on you. And notice if there's a way to doing it that lightens you, opens you, settles you. And the practice is to let go. Let go. Let go of what you're thinking about. Let go of anything you're fixated on. Let go of any holding you have, clinging. Let go of any resistance you have. Let go of the desire for things to be different. Let go of the desire for things to be the same and not change. Let go of getting it right. Let go of hope. Let go of discouragement. Let go of wanting it different. Let go of expectation. Whatever is occurring, see if there's something to let go of. Keep letting go. Let go, let go, let go.
So, let go of the sitting. So, first, what were some of your responses to the instruction? How did you react to hearing that those with letting go was the instruction? Even independent of doing it, but yes. So if we have the mic up on the stage. Right. Yes, that sounds... I'm hearing a little bit of echo, okay. Um, I wondered how one lets go of sleepiness. So that your response was the question of how, how you am I going to let go of sleepiness? Uh-huh. If I let go, I'm just going to get more of my thoughts. I'll just get more sleepy. Great, okay. That's in fact what happened to me. <laughs> so hang on. Oh, I'm Yeah, I like the idea of letting go and as you let us through it and let go of this, let go of that and I got so comfortable that I started falling asleep. I used to to fall asleep at the Zen monastery for meditation a lot for a while. I would be the great nodder. (laughs) And then at some point I stopped falling asleep and um, my my reaction to that was, what's wrong? Because, because my association was that I, I was sleeping because I was really relaxed. And, oh, now I'm not relaxed. But of course, you can be awake and clear without being, uh, without, uh, you can be relaxed and clear and awake without being sleepy. So, uh, you, someone? Um, I picked up, a, I felt a certain amount of authority about your instructions. So, you know, when you're saying, let go, let go, and I'm thinking, well, Gil says it's okay to let go, so I guess I could just let go. And, <laughs> and whereas if I had been telling myself that, it would have been like, yeah, come on, let go, let go. Ah. So and, you're, um, were you able to do it then with the... With, with your the, instruction? With the, imp- with the permission. <laughs> yes, with permission, yeah. Uh-huh. Yes, yeah, and I felt very light. Yeah, I felt mm-hmm. great. Well, it reminded me a lot of being sick <laughs> and that kind of freedom yeah. I had. Um, so for you, getting sick is associated with freedom. Well, it seemed to work that way. You let this go of all week. your responsibilities. I mean, this last month, that oh. I was very comfortable and I knew nothing was expected of me, and um, I could take the pressure off myself because I was sick. Great. But well. the same thing. I had the same feeling when you were saying. Let go, so maybe that's how you do it. Mm. So may, may you get the benefits of being sick without being sick. Exactly. That's what I want. <laughs> I was uh, with you all the way until you said, let go of hope. And then I had a visceral response. Uh, the voice of Viktor Frankl was in my ear right away. Um, and that... that I just guess I just wanted to ask you about that because when people don't have hope under certain circumstances, it's a it's a really devastating thing for them. Yes, it can be. Um, so, 
So I think maybe, if I may, you you took a particular instruction for you to do here and now and jumped into generalization of how it applies in big things. So that's an interesting leap. And if that's a leap you tend to make, then that's a leap that takes you out of your experience. So it might be interesting to look at that and how that works. Because the instructions was not a generalized let go forever. But that's the practice you do. But really specific about... This moment, give up hope and give up despair. And if you give up both, what do you need hope for when you've given up despair? (laughs) Did I say despair? Yeah? I was wondering, which word should I use? Did I say, that's what I said? Did I say discouragement? Discouragement. Discouragement. I thought of despair, but I felt discouragement as soon as you started the whole thing. <laughs> I I really don't think I know how to let go, and so I just like mm. I I still don't think I know how to let go, and and if something is gripping me, I don't know how to let let it go and stuff so it was um, um, not fruitful for me because I still don't know how How to let let go go. Mm. so there's there's probably something in your life that you're able to let go of can you give an example of something you let go of yeah something pretty concrete but I didn't think of it as letting go um I recently decided I didn't want to live where I lived anymore, and so I let go of everything and sold a big house and got rid of all the stuff. And but I didn't think of it as letting go. Is that letting go? <laughs> wow. She was she was free, but she didn't realize it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should learn from you. <laughs> so what, one, one more here. I have the opposite, so maybe I, I could use a little therapy, where I'm, I'm the let, letting goer. I, that's what I do. I let go. And um, so when you said let go, it's like, but that's my thing, so so what? <laughs> and, and is it a problem that you let go so easily? Yeah, because I, um, I don't see it as a virtue. It's just the way I let, let go of responsibility. I'm just going to be in the moment. Uh, so so it's, a, it's a giving up kind of? Or it's kind of... Um, just separating myself, I think. When I let go, there's a sense of separation mm-hmm. from... Yeah. So I drift away like a balloon that's I see. let go. Ah. And can you give us an example of a, a clear situation where that uh, has been deleterious for you? Well, um, the, I was, I've been criticized for it. When people say, you know, you just try to... Um, spare yourself suffering 
that the rest of us are. Because you're not really here, you're not connected, you're kind of like disconnected. Yeah, it's like, um, it's superficial, it's, it's not serious, I'm not, I'm not serious, I'm superficial, um, uh-huh. I don't care. So do you have, any, do you have any, any sense of what motivates that strategy? Um, I, I don't want to suffer. I, so, so it's a, a, a resistance to suffering. Yes, yes. So what would happen if you let go of that? Wow, I'll, I'll work on that one. Thank you. So you have to be wise about your letting go. And so I think you have to get to the heart of it. That would be useful to let go of. I see. She and I should get together. <laughs> Great. So, so the second of the four right efforts is to abandon the unskillful states that have arisen. So an unskillful state of mind, unskillful train of thought, unskillful intentions, unskillful attitude, one that's not beneficial for you, arises, occurs for you. And so because you're being mindful and monitoring, you feel, you know, this is not useful, this is not helpful, this is deleterious, it's unbeneficial, it's, it's a drag to have this. And so then the, you abandon it. Now, abandon it is kind of a variation of letting go, but uh, letting go is a little bit more the active part of you know, letting something go, releasing something. Abandoning things is kind of like, can be also be seen as walking away from it. It's a little more active. One's more, so much letting go is a little bit more passive. Uh, walking away from it, doing something is more active. So the tradition sometimes talks about overcoming as being important. So like with sleepiness, maybe the point isn't to let go of sleepiness, though. Sometimes what's useful with un... you know, with, let it, with sleepiness and meditation is uh, to let go of the expectation it should be different, let go of the resistance to being sleepy, let go of the judgments about being sleepy. That might be useful, then you'll, you'll probably fall asleep more comfortably. <laughs> Uh, but you'll do it, you know, you won't hurt, suffer so much and, and perhaps you'll go through something then more quickly and come, to, come out the other side. Um, and what's maybe, what, but what's needed maybe is rather than, sometimes rather than letting go is to overcome something. And overcoming sometimes can be that you, um, that you counter what's happening with a force of mind or activity which is stronger than the activity. So say you're angry with someone Say you're afraid, that's probably a good example. Say you're afraid, and maybe you can't let go of the fear, but you muster courage or strength that's going to go ahead and do what needs to be done regardless of your fear. And you overcome the fear by the strength, that, that, you know, some kind of strength that's greater than the strength of the fear. And uh, so if you're angry, perhaps you cultivate loving kindness so it's stronger than the, than the anger. And so you meet the situation, so you leave the anger then behind. So some things get left behind, they get sloughed off because we're actually cultivating something to overcome it, to do something the opposite. So it's not, you're not directly letting go, it's not directly addressing it, but you know, indirectly letting it go by going in another, another direction. 
uh, it's a little bit, the variation of that little bit is, um, is um, ignoring it. Some things are better ignored. Sometimes when we even try to let go and engage, the very engagement with something somehow feeds it, somehow defines it, somehow makes it more real and more, you know. I think I read um, something in the paper someplace yesterday, or some, something article, about how um, so it was something like societies where they have very strong puritanical attitudes towards sexuality create the problem that they're fighting against. Because once you put all this focus on sexuality, it heightens it, and then people become more, you know, there's more juice there. And, um, and so, whereas if it's not hi- highlighted with uh, puritanical ideas, it's just kind of a normal part of life, then there isn't a lot of, you know, the same kind of intensity around it and problems around it. So sometimes in the same way in our mind, if we focus on something and say this is wrong or bad, we're actually in some ways creating the, creating the problem that, um, that we're trying to resist. And if that's the case, then there's no way out, right? Then you're in this, this tug of war. That, and um, so occasionally what's useful is to ignore. Ignore it entirely. So one way or the other, we notice that there's some kind of process, something going on inside, which is not useful, not to our betterment, We'd be better off without it. It would, would hurt less. And so then we, um, we have these three options. We can let go. We can overcome. And we can ignore. All three, I think, are most wisely done when we first try to understand what the issue is. If we, Letting go before you understand what you're letting go of usually doesn't work very well. Uh, overcoming without really understanding what you're overcoming, understanding it really well, chances are it'll just come back some other time. And ignoring, same thing. You know. So the um, so a very important part of this mindfulness practice is to get to know what's going on. Uh, turn towards something and get to know it first. And then, once you know it well enough, and what well enough is, it's variable, then maybe one of these three strategies is a way of overcoming or abandoning. So letting go, overcoming and ignoring. Can someone else think of an, a, a fourth strategy that has to do with abandoning? That's, yes? Maybe this falls in one of the categories. Um, when you find an alternate way of handling something. So, so in the world, another solution to the situations, because you're frustrated, and then you kind of read the manual to the computer and say, oh, there's a button you push. Mm-hmm. And then the frustration goes? Or just um, say the frustration. You can't just let go of it, but you give yourself something else to do instead of being frustrated. Uh, so that's part of the ignoring. So it's a little bit, a little bit similar to what I'm saying. You can, you can choose some activity that is stronger, and you focus on that so that it's, it kind of fades away. Sometimes the tradition, Buddhist tradition, calls that starving. The, you, you, it doesn't, because it doesn't get fed anymore, because you're doing something else, or kind of ignoring it or doing something else, it uh, goes away. There's another mic up here. Kate. Kate. This guy here. I like it, but to go ahead. Um, so as you were speaking, I, w- I was going to ask a question about this, and I'm not sure if it's another strategy or not, but it's related. And so when you said let go, my reaction, which is what you were asking, was 
um, I can't let go. <laughs> and I mean, that's true. I say that jokingly, but it's true. I mean, there's, I, I, when I'm in the midst of a, a mind state that's really strong, I can say, let go. It doesn't go away. It just hangs around. Right. Um, uh, and recently, I've been through your instruction, Andrea's instructions, things I've read and experienced. I've been um, just saying, well, this is anger, for instance, or whatever. And that sort of dissolves the mind state temporarily. It comes back, and if I'm still mindful of it and say, um, so that's that is a different way of doing yeah. it. I don't know if it's yeah. another strategy. It's and Definitely. So the clear recognition of something is sometimes is enough for it to lose its power. And so that's part of the understanding, Tur- turning towards the understanding or clearly seeing it. Um, so that's good. I like that. Thank you. Yes? Green, green light should be on. Um, yeah, well, it's actually similar to that, but just like to surrender. So just... To, if it won't go away, then just sort of like surrender to it, which could mean I'm just going to allow it to be and stop fighting it. So it's kind of like stop mm. resisting it or stop So, let, so letting it, it be. Yeah. Letting it's it be. It's not necessarily to give yourself completely over to it, but it's just like surrender that that's what it is and that uh-huh. you don't have any power over it or you can't do anything about it right now. So, um, so the power you have is not to act on it, but you just uh, if you're angry, sometimes you just have to let the anger... You know, just to ride it out and go for a walk until it kind of has a chance to dissipate. You can't let go of it, but you can just uh, go someplace where you're safe <laughs> until it passes. It's just the weather. The weather's angry. Yeah. Something like that. I guess another way, too, though, would be to just go into it. You know, to go into the... Yeah, again, you want to, I guess, I mean, in a practical way, you want to think about doing it safely, but where maybe you're not going to act out but still to just go into it, like to go into the anger or the uh-huh. depression or, or whatever it is and just experience it. So. Uh-huh. Go into it. Sometimes that's kind of the mindfulness approach. You go in and really go, sit in the middle of it. Again, we don't want to act on it, but we might sit in the middle of it and really feel it and get to know it and experience it. It's very powerful to do that. That's kind of the heart of what mindfulness practice is. Good. Someone else? Over in the end. Um, one thing I did that maybe involved more mental storytelling than is really advisable was I was noticing the leaf blower, which initially I thought of as an intrusion. And I remembered as a child, my father was a carpenter and had his shop right next to my bedroom. And sometimes going to sleep, he'd be out there working on cabinets and his skill saw would be going and his power sander. And as a child, those were actually very comforting mm. sounds to me. It was like all was well with the world if my father was home and working. And so I kind of mentally transformed that leaf blower thought. Intrinsically, it doesn't have to be a bad, intrusive thing. I'm just interpreting it that yeah. way. Something could be is neutral, and it depends on my attitude. So reinterpreting it, seeing it in a new way is what helps you. So having a different perspective, reframing it is a kind of... Yeah, maybe reframing. Maybe reframing it, seeing it in different ways. Great, that's a good thing. One thing that helps me is let go of the storyline and stay with the 
emotion. Uh-huh. So you can't let go of the anger, but you can let go of the story around the anger, and and then you can stay with the the feeling in the body. Uh-huh. So sometimes you have to know what you can let go of realistically. Like sometimes maybe you're angry, but you can't let go of the anger, but you can let go of your judgment about being an angry person. About uh, it's, it's sort of what others have said, but it's a, an investigation. Just tear it up in little pieces and look at every little bit of it. Just just dig into it and Great. ask the question: What's it about? Why is this bothering me? Uh-huh. What, what's involved here? So as opposed to mindfulness, looking carefully, it's a, a, a more reflective investigation, considering, thinking about it in all kinds of yeah, angles. Yeah. Uh-huh. Just think. Abandon the idea of not thinking and just think about think it. About Tear it. it all apart and see uh-huh. what's going on there. Mm-hmm. Great. So analysis. Mm-hmm. Ask somebody for help. <laughs> Ask him for help. Get support. <laughs> yes. So, of those things talked about, uh, I'd like us to choose the top, I don't know the top, that's the right word, but choose four, four, let's choose four of them. So, I would, one of them I think should be letting go. Can we choose overcoming? Overcoming includes doing something stronger, using strength to overcome it, strength of activity, doing something different, that, um, that um, you know, so you're do that other thing so strongly that the thing you need to let go of you know, fades away. Being mindful of it, which can include investigation. And what's the fourth one? It's a good of all, all things said. What do you think? Ignore. Ignore. That's what I was thinking too, ignore. So four. So remember those four? So to let go, to be mindful, to overcome and to ignore. So what I'd like you to do is form groups of four, four groups of four. Let's, uh, I don't know if we're multiple of four here. It'd be nice, it'd be very convenient. If not, we'll, we'll I'll read. I'll. And each of you in your group, choose one of those four. So I don't know how you do it quickly. Maybe you could figure out Alphabetically, who's first in the alphabet? Or order by your first name, and then take those four and just assign them alphabetically too. So that I guess um, um, ignoring would be first, right? It's an I. So, so if your name is Aaron, you get to have. So, so quick, decide it quickly, and then um, and then this is the, this is the task. Um, for whatever one that you have, offer one argument why this is a really good strategy. Then go clockwise. And the next person, um, uh, express your doubts about why that person's strategy, that, that, you know, so the person says ignoring is really good because then it fades away. Then the next person says, well, ignoring, you know, that just lets it fester and come back and bites. But being mindful, that's really... And mindful is really good because you get to know it. And then you go to the next person and says, this mindfulness thing is overrated because you probably just end up thinking about it a lot. What you really need to do is overcome it. And then the reason you need to overcome it is this is whatever... Give, a re, give an argument for why overcoming is good. 
you know, so, so, so this is a very ancient Buddhist tradition, a little bit of a debate, but good-natured, friendly, you can have fun. And, um, you know, you don't, you don't, don't lay into anybody, just say, oh, you make, make a, but uh, beca- the reason I want to do it this way is that there's two things. I want you to kind of explore and to bring forth as many reasons why these are good strategies and hear them. So each of you, you know, inhabit, become that strategy and offer, okay? And also, I think it's really healthy to understand the shortcomings of these strategies as well so that uh, you understand that they can't be the end-all and be-all, that there's also of it, but maybe some kind of combination or different things at different times. So, are you game for this? Sure, yeah. A little bit role-playing, you get to role-play the type, the character. So, um, so why don't you... Uh, uh, um, um, should we just have you find groups of four, or should we count off? Okay, so find groups of four, and, uh, and then again, come towards the front if there's uh, not a multiple of four. So that energy level is even more than <laughs> the morning. So what was that like? I could sit here and watch, but and hear. But I, I, what was it like to do that? Could you get into your part? I thought it was very helpful when. Um when Philippa started to bring up a particular situation like fear. And then we uh, debated about that and switched to anger and then debated about that <laughs> and switched to others. And, and we could see uh, they're more, they have different applicability uh-huh. depending on what you're facing. So, so, these, diff- so these different approaches uh, are relevant in, at different times for different kind of issues. I think we all argued our approach as well in this situation, <laughs> but they're certainly, they're Great, thank you. However, we all agreed that mindfulness was the first part to identify what the problem is, so then you could consider which the proper strategy might be. Mm. Good. I thought too, in, until uh, someone refuted my mindfulness <laughs> by explaining how it, you could just get sort of drawn into something and be be, be feeding it and, and never end up doing anything about it because you you're, you just become part of it by being mindful without acting. Perhaps I see. I see. I would think I should say that probably that wouldn't be mindfulness then. <laughs> I would, I would, uh, mindfulness is always good, so I would I wouldn't refute mindfulness. But uh, sometimes mindfulness is not appropriate because of uh, some people have it. it. Isn't that mindfulness gets us entangled? 
but our mind is we become uh, once we become aware of something some people automatically or habitually get hooked in or self-conscious or identify with it in ways which are counterproductive so if the strength of your attachments is stronger than your mindfulness mindfulness will give you material to be attached to so you've got to be careful with that So after we went around a few times and we're pretty familiar with everybody's arguments, (laughs) the question was raised, do we ever really let go? Um, Is it just a temporary thing and then it comes back again? Mm. Yeah, do we ever permanently let go? I suspect, I don't have that. It's a good question. I I don't know if I have a good answer, but my my sense of it is... uh, um, uh, you cannot permanently let go of anything. But things do get let go of, letting go of. So, so if, we're, if we're involved in the letting go, if, we're, it's, a, if it's, not, it's a conscious, intentional act to let go, probably it's not going to be uh, as, as deeply transformative as the deep letting go uh, that when we let go, so it never comes back. I think there's something about the deepest forms of letting go which can't be self-conscious effort can't be something intentional, self-intentional effort. It's like things, we don't let go, but there is letting go. Something lets go, but it's not us. Why isn't that enough? Why, you, why, why you, oh, you don't understand it. <laughs> so uh, I think probably you're right that uh, letting go, if it's, if it's you letting go, act of letting go, pro- it might not be enough to really make a permanent change. But with a, the with a growth of practice and mindfulness and, and our capacity to let go, at some point what happens, we, letting go happens to us rather than we are the one who let go. Maybe I have to experience it before I'll know what it is. Thank you. Yes. Okay. So, so far we've covered only two of the four right efforts. I hope that now that talking about this overcoming, abandoning of the unskillful states that have come up, that you have some sense that this is something that, uh, that is useful to do from time to time and that uh, it's valuable, it's more something that you do probably do from time to time and that you have strategies to do it and there's ways of doing it that's beneficial and manageable. Someone over there said, remember earlier today, said something about, that, that, I forget exactly what the person said, but uh, that you know, letting go is difficult or impossible or something. And, um, uh, but I, my response was probably the person lets go in a lot of small ways. And uh, you know, so if it's, if it's full-blown anger, it might be hard to let go of, but if it's mild irritation, it might be easy to let go of. And so sometimes we, we go quickly to the most extreme example to make some grand conclusion. But it's often useful to approach these things by uh, where can I make this work? Where can I let go? And then learn from that and then expand and develop that as if it's a muscle that we develop. And uh, yeah, of course, there's places where it's going to be really hard. And uh, that's what the practice is for, to practice to develop the skill. Remember, this is where the skill word is very important. To develop the skill... So eventually we can let go of the difficult things. But it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a function of developing the skill, and the skill is usually developed by practicing it. 
So we practice where we can, and then eventually we can do it in more difficult places. So, let's take a, uh, let's start again at three for our last half an hour together. And uh, we'll just rush right through the last two. Okay, so we're back for the last two. So, you know, it's, it's usually translated in English as uh, four right efforts. And I'm not sure what the right English translation for this term should be, vayama. Uh, it's, as I said this morning, it's sometimes translated as endeavor. Because sometimes effort can imply, right effort can imply um, force, the right force in which we do something, the right amount of energy we apply. But here it's not the force or the energy that's being applied, but rather it's the, the uh, what we're trying to do. So the four things to do, four endeavors, um, and the four right endeavors at this stage of the Eightfold Path has to do with monitoring this, the quality of our inner life, whether it's the general state of our mind, the emotional state, the attitudes, the thoughts we're involved in. And then noticing whether that inner life, what we're doing, what we're doing in the inner life is skillful or unskillful. So it involves having the ability to differentiate, make a differentiation. Is this helpful or not helpful? And just that question um, is an interesting question to walk around in. You know, is this helpful or is it not helpful? I'm thinking about something. Is this helpful to be thinking about this or is it not helpful? Um, I have an attitude towards something. Is this a helpful attitude or is it not a helpful attitude? And um, um, so making that differentiation is key to this issue of right effort. So skillful, unskillful, helpful, not helpful, useful, not useful. And my guess is that um, a lot of people would change what they're doing if they asked that question uh, of themselves because when they really look at certain activities, it doesn't seem so helpful after all. The, um, and so then, uh, for the last two right efforts, has to do with the skillful states. So there are states, attitudes, ways of thinking, um, uh, emotional states that are useful to have, that are helpful to have. Uh, it's more helpful to have compassion than it is to have cruelty in you. It's more helpful for your heart and for your well-being. It's more helpful to be relaxed than it is to be tense, usually. It's more helpful to um, think kindly about people than to walk around being suspicious. Generally, that's more helpful that way. Um, and so, um, uh, so that here in the, in the third of the right efforts, the practice is to cultivate or arouse skillful states that have not yet arisen. So, I mean, you know, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of them which haven't arisen right now, so we'd be busy for a long time if we tried to rise all of them. But the idea is to have some sense, given what's going on now, what would be useful right now? You're in a, if this is like, like a class, I'm giving a talk about something, teaching something. And so what would be, what would be a skillful state? It might not be a skillful state since saying, you know, uh, sitting there and being uh, aversive to what I'm saying. You know, oh, they are these Buddhists. 
you know, they don't know what they're talking about. There's nothing to do with the real world. And <laughs> that, you know, you could have that. Might be some realistic to it. Realistic, might be something realistic about these Buddhists who are not connected to the real world. Maybe, you know. But for you to think that way, is that helpful for you to think that way? You might actually be more skillful, more useful for you to say, well, maybe these Buddhists still know we're not connected, but this guy is saying something, and what would be useful for me is to consider, consider not whether it's ultimately right or wrong, but in what way is this useful for me? Is, it, is there some way or some circumstance in my life where it's useful? Because then we benefit from it. You probably don't benefit from saying, you know, all oh, these Buddhists. Make some sense? What I'm saying. So what is so? So um, uh, we in, in the we we going to cultivate. So that so the point being that in this class now, a useful, skillful attitude would be: How can I listen to this and learn from it? What is useful for me? What way can I apply it? This is not the time to cultivate compassion for me. You know, listening to me. You know, you could if you want. I'd be happy, but I'm not particularly suffering, and it's, you know, it's probably a waste of your compassion muscle at the moment. But uh, but uh, it's probably a better muscle to strengthen is the you know the engagement with what's being taught and reflecting on it and you know, in a useful way. So in any circumstance you find yourself in, uh, you can ask yourself, what is a helpful state of mind? What's a helpful attitude? What's a helpful orientation to have? Uh, what's the helpful way of my heart and mind to be? And then if you can identify something that's helpful, then what can you do to arouse it, to uh, bring it forth? Um, are there realistic ways of bringing it forth? I am very uh, suspicious of, of um, po- the mo- positive thinking movement, where you simply kind of evoke positive thinking and try to be kind and smiley and friendly and just, you know, and just look at the good of everything all the time. Um, I think it's too easy for it to be kind of a surfacing, uh, kind of covering the surface of things and not really going very deep. But I, at the same time, I know it's possible to arouse and to evoke um, useful states, useful ways of thinking and useful attitudes that are more than just skin deep, but are, you know, come from deep inside. And it can change the situation radically um, to evoke those and to bring those forth. So what I'd like to do is to do a similar discussion as we had this morning. And that for you to sit in groups of four or five and, um, and go around the circle uh, describing uh, how in your life so far situations where you found it useful to arouse, to evoke, to bring forth um, a skillful, useful state within you to that supported you in the circumstances you found yourself. Times when that was useful, beneficial, it really worked, felt it, felt it had integrity to it. And you kind of change, you change the frame of reference, the, uh, you change the, your attitude, you change your emotional state, you change the way you were thinking about something. Um, you might have been all you know, angry and you noticed you were tense, so what you did was you, you relaxed and you brought that brought a little more calm and clarity in that. So... So to go around, and again, the, I think benefits the most, I think, in this kind of exercise, if you don't tell a long story. But it might almost be that you don't even tell a story at all. You just tell the conclusion of the story. Um, because, you know, just a little bit. The idea is to kind of offer different perspectives on this theme and go around the circle a number of times so you can affect each other as you hear each other's 
little accounts. And that's, that'll, each time you hear someone else, maybe that'll spark something new in you, a new perspective, and you'll remember something, and then you'll have something to offer next time around. Do you understand? So is that clear? So, so the topic is um, to describe or state, in what way has it been useful for you to arouse skillful states, useful states in your life so far? What are the circumstances, what, you know, when, how, things like that. Is that clear? Some people, you look puzzled. You're thinking about it? So, so why don't you try to uh, get into groups of four or five, and then um, we'll take, probably take about 10 or 15 minutes, because we're, we're getting close to the end now. And um, so, so why don't you please do that? So as we come back, so as we come back, let's uh, let's form a big circle all the way around. Yes. Yeah, you can sit. You can sit there. It's fine. You can. <laughs> so, so maybe I have a few words, uh, brief words, about what that was like. Anybody like to? Useful. Useful. That's the basic question. It's good to hear the success stories. It's good to hear the success stories. Mm-hmm. What people did. About what? For some reason, in this particular session, I had more useful information. I mean, Information I can put online, like I actually use today. Mm. Uh, as distinct from some of the others that seem so many. Do I need to repeat it for someone? Can everyone hear? No. No. So for some reason, she, so she said that uh, she, uh, for some reason this session was the most useful one. It gave her useful information of what she can apply in her life. Immediately. Immediately. Like right now. <laughs> <laughs> It was also fun. Yeah. I like fun. (laughs) (laughs) Was it helpful or not helpful to have fun? Oh, I think it is helpful. Yeah. So one of the skillful states, qualities to bring forth, which I think all of you have had some experience of bringing forth, is mindfulness. 
uh, when you choose to be mindful of something, uh, to have a little heightened awareness, heightened attention to something, uh, mindfulness is a little bit different than just awareness. You can become aware of something, and then, once you're aware of it, decide to turn your attention to it and, and really take it in, really let it register deeply. Uh, be more fully heightened aware of what the situation is. So you could have you know, an ache and an, a knee, you're aware of the ache, then you decide to really kind of give your full attention to it. So, so mindfulness is an activity of the mind that we use when we do mindfulness practice. And it's considered to be a skillful, helpful state of mind. So if you're having a hard time, a hard day, and you can't arouse a good state, what you think is a good state, say, well, I'll just be mindful of it. Guess what? In being mindful of it, you're bringing forth the, uh, what's called a skillful state. Investigation is a skillful state. I'll look into it more deeply. Um, uh, to find a balance with it and be equanimous, where you're not kind of for or against it or not struggling with it, not, not reactive to what's there, it, uh, is a skillful state. So you might not be able to change your state, but you can arouse, try to bring forth an equanimity in relationship to it. So that's, that's a skillful state you're adding to this to equation, which changes it. Other times, maybe you might feel that joy is useful and, um, and you want to bring more joy or you want to have more appreciation or gratitude or a variety of different things. Um, friendliness. And so one of the things to consider, I think is a, very, a, a part of a really wise life, is um, to cultivate the habit of looking at what you appreciate in the situations. Not to ignore what you don't appreciate. Don't have to ignore the problems that are there. But if you ignore what's worthy of appreciation at the expense of all the problems, you might end up in a self-fulfilling prophecy that things are difficult and terrible and that's all you see. But when you start also including in the picture what you appreciate, it comes in the wake of that, comes a lot of other things. Certainly comes appreciation, gratitude, generosity, friendliness, um, enjoyment of the situation. There's a lot of things that follow when we kind of include appreciation. And it might change the inner ecology dramatically. So, so much so that it becomes, again, a self-fulfilling pro- uh, prophecy where it actually changes the ecology, the situation you're in, for the better in a way that wouldn't if you hadn't taken that into account. So, and that's something that uh, is relatively easy to do in many circumstances, is to ask yourself, what, 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 what's to be appreciated here and now? Uh, you're in rush hour traffic, you're going to be late where you're going, you have every good reason to be fuming and irritated and impatient and, or afraid or feeling your life's coming to an end because you're not getting there to the appointment on time and all kinds of good things you could be doing. None of them which may be skillful or helpful, but it's you know, common things to do. Even there you can kind of take, you know, given how difficult and how terrible it is, is there anything to appreciate here now? And if there isn't, then be mindful. <laughs> More deeply mindful. So, so there, these are a variety of strategies, ways that we can arouse what's skillful. Then the fourth uh, right effort is to maintain what's skillful, maintain these states. So to be careful not to let them go easily. And one of the ways to be careful not to let them go easily 
is to practice the first right effort. Avoid the arising of unskillful states. So you're feeling basically good and calm and relaxed and, um, uh, you know, and you've had a good evening, you're relaxed and happy and content, and, but you're about to go to bed, so you, I think it's really good to check the email. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, it's, it's of course, you know, you're in a good state for that, good state of mind for that, and, and you check the email and now you can't go to sleep. So you're in a good state, how do you maintain it? You, one of the ways you safeguard it is being careful not to do the things that would make it go away, to lose it too easily. There's other things also, but I mentioned that. So here we are. Thank you for coming today. I like sitting in the circle in the end when we're small enough we can do that because I like the idea that we're all in it together. And uh, this is the community that you sat with today, practiced with today, and um, some of you have come back repeatedly to these Dharma practice days. I, I very much appreciate that you do that and I take that to be that you find it valuable that you do this. And, and uh, I certainly appreciate that you finding value and hopefully helping you in your life to do this exploration that we do here. Uh, we, uh, in the next Dharma practice day is not in a month but rather in three weeks. I think it's like April 5th maybe. So just know it's coming up a little bit faster. And, um, <clears throat> and here, uh, it's going to be right mindfulness. And right mindfulness is a skillful state to cultivate and develop. And it's, uh, uh, it's, 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 it, in a turn, helps the right effort because you have to be mindful of what's going on to know where your effort should be best applied. So it's also the heart of what we do here at IMC is mindfulness. So. Uh, we'll do uh, mindfulness <clears throat> in April, and then we'll do concentration in May. And then may whatever benefit, usefulness, helpfulness that this day has been for you, may you consider may you consider ways that you can take that benefit and usefulness and use it to support other people and benefit other people so their lives can be a little bit happier and better off because you were here today. So you. If you think about that and consider how that might be, then it's more likely going to happen. Maybe because you appreciate them more. So, thank you. <laughs>